Um, we're going to do a series on um, hermeneutics or how to study the Bible. There you go, Joe. Um, it's going to help uh, us to to really uh, understand some certain principles. Hermeneutics, as you'll find out, are basically principles guiding you and directing you in your study of the Word of God. We need to have some sort of guideline of how we can uh, get truth out of the Bible. Um, we'll find that it's really, uh, it's not that difficult to understand how to do this. Um, and once we do, um, we can study the Bible on our own. And it's going to be, you won't just have to come every Sunday to hear the Word, but you'll be studying it as you continue to live your life. Many of us are already doing that. We're studying through Ecclesiastes, and we went through First John, Colossians, etc. But I'm going to go through, um, basically, um, for those of you who are in, in Anaheim Flock, uh, this is going to be kind of repetitious, because um, it's based on the teaching that we've been going through in our elder team on hermeneutics that James Shin gave us, and now I'm giving to you. And I heard that he gave it to Anaheim Flock once already as well. So it might be some of the same stuff, um, so please uh, bear with me. Okay? Why don't we pray before we start? Father, we just uh, thank you for this time now that we can approach your, uh, uh, the principles on how to study your word, Lord, and we just thank you for uh, giving us uh, your word that we can um, really rightly, learn to rightly divide it, that we can be better Christians, that we can know what you would have for us, Lord. We pray now that you would help me to teach clearly these principles which you have set forth, Lord, and I pray that you would help us in our daily walk as we learn uh, to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I was told I have 30 minutes to finish this, but I may not finish it. Um, we're we're going to have four sessions to, to finish uh, everything, so you might want to keep that uh, handout handy um, next week as we study our second session. Well, to begin with, I would like to um, go over uh, just basically some prerequisites and some introductory matters before we actually get into the study of what exactly those principles are of um, interpreting scripture. Next week I'll get into that and we'll go through a couple weeks just going through different principles on how to study scripture. But today I kind of want to give you some introductory things to help you to understand uh, what exactly is hermeneutics and how we are to go about it. Really, uh, we are all interpreters. Um, we interpret things daily. We read different types of things. We watch different types of things, and we interpret. All human beings are interpreters. Um, we read newspapers, and we interpret that in some, one way. We read advertisements. We interpret those in other ways. We read uh, textbooks or history books. We read those in other ways, and we interpret. We know that there are rules for how we can take this information in. And the same is true for those who study the Bible. The Bible is to be interpreted in the same manner by the same principles, very similar principles that we would interpret anything in our lives. Um, if, we don't, if we didn't know how to interpret things, then I wouldn't know whether Shane telling me that's a chair is actually a chair. 
Um, how would I know that? We have words that define things, and we understand what those words mean. And so, in the same way, uh, hermeneutics gives us um, the rules or, or how we can, the principles of how we do this. Um, maybe some of you haven't actually put these rules into practice. Maybe you have questioned how you can actually study the Bible. Maybe you thought that only preachers and teachers um, have the ability to study the Word of God. Well, um, you're um, very wrong. The, the Bible is accessible to everyone and it can be studied from uh, the child to the theologian can study the Word of God if we just understand how to rightly study it. Um, really, uh, this uh, study of hermeneutics is probably the most important issue in the church today. And it's probably the reason why a lot of churches are weak today. Um, maybe it would be the, also the case that it's because um, they don't properly interpret scripture that they are weak as far as witness toward the world, which is our main um, ministry. Walter Kaiser, and you've probably heard this before, said, the secret uh, there's no secret that Christ's church is not at all in good health in many places of the world. Um, she has been languishing because she has been fed, as the current line has it, junk food. All kinds of artificial preservatives and all sorts of unnatural substances have been served to, to her. As a result, theological and biblical malnutrition has affected the very generation that has taken such giant steps to make sure its physical health is not damaged by using foods or products that are carcinogenic or otherwise harmful to their physical bodies. Simultaneously, a worldwide spiritual famine resulting from the absence of any genuine public publication of the Word of God continues to run wild in most parts of the church." End quote. John Piper says this, interpreting the Bible is one of the most important issues facing Christians today. It lies behind what we believe, how we live, and how we get on together and what we have to offer to this world. So first point there is, this is an important matter. We can't just say, ah, Bible study, you know, we don't, we don't need to know that. Interpreting scripture, it's not a big deal. Um, let me give you a few reasons why Bible interpretation is important. And we'll start with letter A there. First of all, right interpretation of the Bible is essential to right understanding right teaching and right application, or something like that on your sheet there. Right interpretation of the Bible is essential to right understanding, right teaching, and right application. Many believers do not grasp the pivotal or foundational role of proper interpret interpretation of scriptures in their lives. Really, uh, for the Christian, it's impossible to live a, a life that pleases God without being able to understand scripture. Because then you don't know what God wants you to do. You don't, know the, you, don't want, you don't understand the principles that we are to live by. To live rightly, we need to understand how to interpret scripture so we can understand God himself. And so right understanding is, is very, very important. And without right uh, interpretation, we can't rightly understand. The corollary is, a wrong method of interpretation will produce wrong understanding, wrong teaching, and wrong application. This is something that is dreadful. Uh, a person who has wrong interpretation is 
making God into his or her own image. And that is a very dangerous place. You think you're understanding what God has to say, but you are actually wrongly interpreting this passage of scripture. Um, I think we're all guilty of that in one shape, way, shape, or form, taking a, a verse that means something, um, but we take it as being um, something else. And it's not exactly, and someone has to correct us and say, you know, that, this passage actually is referring to, etc. So even in our life, we know that people have uh, understandings and interpretations of things, and misunderstandings or misinterpretations of even daily uh, careers like doctors or lawyers or airline pilots. You have to be able to understand certain things to function. Otherwise, there could be tragedy occurring, a doctor not knowing uh, how to rightly understand how to treat a person. Um, it could lead to tragedy. Uh, an air airplane pilot not knowing how to properly fly a plane. It could lead to a tragic accident. And right interpretation of scripture has far more importance. Why? Because these things deal with eternal matters and they're far greater importance. The gospel is here in the word of God. If we don't properly understand the gospel, we will not be saved. Believers are sanctified by God's word, John 17. So we really have to understand how important it is for us to interpret scripture. Some may say that we don't need scripture. Um, we can go by experience. Um, I think there you're walking on ground that um, is very shaky because you have no standard of truth. It's only an experience base. But we have the Bible, and we need to understand the Bible. Secondly, everyone is already an interpreter of the scriptures. Everyone is already an interpreter of the scriptures. Everyone who reads the Bible interprets it in, in some way. <laughs> what we're trying to do here is give you uh, the right way to do it. Um, all of you already are, are interpreting scripture on your own. But we, we want to help you to understand the right way of interpreting scripture. Okay? Really, um, really uh, I think hermeneutics is a discipline not just for theologians or pastors or teachers, but it, it needs to be a part of every believer's life. You know, people say, well, I'm not like the theologians. You know, they're, they're like doing all these different, I'm, a, I, I'm getting a master's in Masters of Arts in Theology, and people think, well, that's theology. I don't want to, you don't talk about theology. That's not on my level. Well, every person is a theologian, whether you um, acknowledge that or not. You interpret the world. You interpret God. Um, theology is study of God. You, you, you think of God in a certain way. You have your own theology. You know, my God would never do something like that. Someone has a theology. The theology is that God's um, love um, would cause them to do something. So don't say you're a theologian, you are. Uh, and everyone is an interpreter of scripture. Third, it's a command of God. And this is very plain. Um, Acts 17.11, the Bereans were, Bereans were more noble carrier, character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. In 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, 
and who correctly handles the word of truth. Handling the word of truth literally in the Greek is cutting straight. Um, Paul was a tent maker and he had to cut the fabric in a certain way in order for the tent to be properly made. And that's what um, we do when we correctly handle the word of God. We cut it straight. Okay, so three reasons why it's important. Let's move on here for the reason for interpreting scripture. The reason for interpreting scripture. Um, letter A. First one is to honor God in obedience. Roy Zuck, um, an, an author from Dallas Seminary, says this, and I quote, heart appropriation, not merely head comprehe comprehension, is the true goal of, of Bible study, end quote. When we study the Word of God, we're not just studying it academically, but we're doing it so that it transforms our lives. First um, Peter 2, 2, like newborn babes craves pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. The Word of God gives us the meat so that we can mature and grow um, as Christians. Secondly, letter B, is to honor God in faithful teaching of God's Word. Honor God in faithful teaching of God's Word. Charles Spurgeon, in lectures to students, wrote this, and I quote, We have a fixed faith to preach, and we are sent forth with a definite message from God. We are not to fabricate the message as we go along. We stand in a very solemn position, and ours should be the spirit of old Micah in 1 Kings 22:14. As the Lord my God lives before whom I stand, whatsoever the Lord says to me, that I will speak." End quote. Acts 20:20 20, 20 says this, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, 2 Timothy 2 or 4 2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Um, you know what my greatest fear is? My greatest fear is when I'm standing before all of you and preaching God's word um, or, or preaching that I'm not giving you the word of God. Um, John MacArthur says, preaching is like being a waiter or a servant. You're trying to take this precious thing um, to the table of the church. And his goal is not to spill the stuff on the tray. And my greatest fear is that I, you spill the whole thing and he comes out all wrong. Um, that is probably my greatest fear, is that uh, I'm not preaching the word of God because that is the calling for every preacher, every pastor, every teacher. That is what he is to commit himself to. So those are a few reasons for interpreting the scriptures. Let me give you a few uh, definitions by Dr. James Roskop of Master Seminary. These are just definitions. I'm not going to go through them in much detail for your own benefit to get to kind of weed through all this terminology that is given to you. Um, in books or people say in higher academia or whatever. Um, and it all relates to the Bible. Um, 
Letter A is the study of the canon. Basically, when we're studying bibliology or, or canon, we're trying to get to um, really uh, how the books were determined to be Holy Scripture, um, which belongs, what books intended to be a part of the Bible, etc. And that's the study of the canon, how we got the 66 books of the Bible. Textual criticism um, decides the words of Scripture, which words are a part of the proper text, and which words are not actually in, in the original spiritual inspired manuscripts. Of course, we don't have the originals. We don't have the autographs. Um, but we do have manuscript copies that we can compare um, throughout history. So um, if there's a long period of time in history and we have manuscripts from each side, we can compare the text and see um, which, which, are, which have been um, transcribed and which kind of are different. So if you have an NA, NASB um, Bible, you'll see some words in italics. That's the work of uh, textual critics. They said that this is an interpretation um, that's not actually uh, in the text. Okay. C is historical criticism, decides what framework or setting within the words of the Bible were fitted when they came historically. Okay. The framework or the setting. Okay. Tries to give you a whole background um, for the text. Hermeneutics is what we're studying we're trying to study here. Determines the methods, techniques, rules, or principles with which to best serve in getting the proper interpretation of the part of the Bible. I, I try to look at it as this. Those of us who like to play basketball or sports, there's rules to the game. And we have to follow these rules in order to play um, rightly. And hermeneutics are those rules. Okay? Hermeneuo means to explain or interpret. Okay? Um, it's, it's related to a word that Christ, when he was uh, talking to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, um, he said that, it says there that Christ interpreted the Old Testaments to these disciples and their hearts burned um, within them. When we properly uh, uh, interpret scripture, it gives uh, burning hearts really a thrill and excitement toward the things of God. Related is exegesis. Hermeneutics are the game rules. Exegesis is the actual playing. You can talk about the rules all you want, but if you're not going to play the game, uh, you're not doing exegesis yet. Okay, you're not actually studying the Bible. Okay, that's how you, you can look at it. Hermeneutics are the the rules. Exegesis is the playing of the game. Okay, and so exegesis is the application of the methods to the text so as to bring out the actual meaning. They're, they're very much um, related. Homiletics is the science and preparation and delivery of sermons. Okay. It involves the following steps. Preparation and those things there. It's actual studying. Um, thinking through effective means of communicating. And secondly, presentation. Uh, how you're going to deliver the sermon, uh, the style, authority, personality. Um, so homiletics is really kind of um, trying to relate a specific text to, a, uh, to the 
the people and deliver it in a way um, that would be uh, suitable or most uh, beneficial. Okay, and so this would deal with uh, styles and things like that. And this is the area I, I try to work on the most is trying to relate in those types of things. Homiletics, okay? And this is what, when you, when you take a preaching classes, they're going to critique you on that. Um, little things, it could be this like using your hands like this or one hand or, or making eye contact, those types of things. That's part of it. Um, illustrations, etc. G, Bible exposition, is the actual expounding of the text to an audience in oral or written form. Okay? It could be written as well. Um, expositing a text. Okay? It could be in books, etc. Um, this is distinguished from homiletics um, in that uh, there is a lot of preaching that is not Bible exposition. Bible exposition is a particular type of message which, which follows right down through a verse or passage and brings out the meaning and the implications for those involved. Homiletics can involve any type of sermon, like topical sermon, that doesn't actually go through um, a passage, etc. So Bible exposition is what we try to do here at, at Cornerstone. A couple other things. Uh, biblical theology. All you need to know is this is uh, taking a certain concept or um, not concept but either a person or a period and taking all the biblical information and placing it um, in, in this uh, specific category. Johannine um, theology, theology of John, Pauline of theology, Petrine theology, okay? Or it could be periods like um, the Old Testament covenant or whatever, New Testament covenant. That's biblical theology. Systematic theology, um, which I really enjoy, is a compilation of all we know about a certain subject in the Bible and bringing it in a systematized way to the people. That's what we do in um, FOF, systematic theology. We bring everything we know about the doctrine of the church, which Bob is doing right now, and uh, we, we, we tell you what the Bible speaks of, and it could be a variety of different verses that help form this systematic theology. Um, it's really neat when you get to study in that way. But it starts with biblical theology. History of Christian doctrine is just basically looking at the formation of certain doctrines like the Trinity, okay? Stuff like that. All right, let's turn to our next page, on which, which we're talking about uh, the relationship of all these different things that I just talked to you about and how they are to proceed when we're talking about hermeneutics. Okay. Level one, see on the bottom there, it starts from the bottom to the top, and the arrows are pointing up, right? This is from Dr. Thomas. Um, you take level one language, uh, the biblical principles, as well as any introductory matters you need, like historical background, culture, um, viewpoints, etc. And you ha you start with those things, and it helps you to go to the next level, which is exegesis. Okay. Hermeneutics is involved in, in the, the bottom part, so hermeneutics would be actually the principles. Biblical languages would be like Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. 
Um, biblical introduction would be any sort of history like Josephus um, has some history about the Jewish culture during that specific time. You would take those things and you would, that would help you to rightly exegete the text. Okay? But it moves up from there and biblical exegesis and biblical exegesis alone is based directly on those disciplines on level one. And this field is dynamic and involves a synthesis of these three disciplines and applying it to the scripture. Okay, exegesis is actually the, the time where you're actually going to interpret um, the text, determine the actual meaning. And so here, it, again, hermeneutics is the rules. These disciplines are the rules. And biblical exegesis is the plane of the game. Okay. Biblical exegesis is the pivotal, crucial role once you move on to the next step. And level two can never be ignored. We can't just jump to those other things without first going through exegesis. And so the third level um, is a level three, and it's a broad definition. It, it is the various conclusions that are made from exegesis. And they've been organized and applied in different ways. Could be in counseling, could be in missions, philosophy of religion, um, systematic biblical theology, church history, okay? And so here are getting your conclusions from exegesis. That's why you can't start with theology. You need to start with exegesis and then out of that comes the theology. And the final level is exposition. Here is all, all the fruit of the previous disciplines. It's setting forth the teaching of the passage. Okay, the heart of exposition is um, the exegetical step. Um, some of you may not even get to this last step here, um, but it's just kind of how, how um, a church works as far as applying the Bible. Um, Bible exposition um, comes out in the preaching and sometimes in the written form. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Go a few more minutes here. <laughs> All right. Um, let's just go over the source of hermeneutic, hermeneutical principles. You may have said, uh, thought, who makes up these rules? Okay. And this has been a hotly debated uh, issue throughout uh, Christendom. Who makes up the rules? Okay, you're saying there's rules, but who's the one who makes them up? Um, there have been different uh, views, and I'll go through those, but they're really uh, looking toward uh, the whole process of communication. You say something, and a person interprets that um, as something else. If we, don't, if we didn't have that, then um, I could be talking to you right now, and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. He's just mumbling some sounds in his mouth, and I, I can't even, I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Um, but you are all interpreting what I have to say. Um, and three components are there. is the author, the text, and the reader, when we're talking about the Bible. The author, the text, and the reader, okay, when we're looking about, we're talking about the revelation of God. 
But the main goal, or another way to describe it is the, um, the sender, the message, or the receiver, if you're just talking about communications um, through speaking. Sender, message, and receiver. Author, text, reader. Okay, the main goal of interpreting the Bible, here's the main goal, here's what we're striving after, guys, is to discover the meaning of the text being studied. Okay, it's not rocket science. It's uh, very easy. Let's discover the meaning of the text. What does the text mean? Okay, but what are the rules, like I said before? How do we come up with these rules? Who makes up the rules? Here are some proposed views of um, what determines the meaning of the text. First of all, some have said that the text determines the meaning. The text determines the meaning. That meaning is proper, the property of the text. Um, this is literally that the text is autonomous. You don't even have to know who the author is. You don't have to know the situation. You don't have to know the culture. The text will speak on its own. Um, it's autonomous. The biblical author and his thinking and what he sought to convey is irrelevant to the meaning of the text. This is because the text possesses autonomy and is totally independent of the author. I said that already. Um, according to this, uh, it, it really uh, it just becomes literature. I don't know if you've ever taken in your colleges a Bible as literature classes. Um, you're just looking at, at, at liter literature, the form of whatever the words come. Uh, it's more like an art. The problems with this is that inanimate objects um, cannot communicate or produce meaning. Inanimate, just a text cannot produce meaning. There needs to be something behind that communication. So to separate the author from the meaning of the text is illogical and erroneous. Um, Another problem is that no one can dogma dogmatically or conclusively come to a final definition of literature. You can take any piece of the Bible and say, this is what it means to me. And everyone else will be forced to say, oh yeah, that's what it means to you, great. I was an English major. This is this was very, very common when le reading uh, literature. It's just this postmodern you know, kind of culture where we're just, everyone has their own meaning. It doesn't matter what, um, the author thought, this is what I think it means. And I remember my teacher saying, yes, that's good. Go on it. Keep on going. Keep on going. And I was thinking, that's, it sounds pretty foolish um, to me. And we can't, that, that's what this first view proposes. And um, that's not a right way to interpret scripture because we can never come to a conclusive matter. And what I just said earlier would be to you like, that's great, Rex. That's good for you, but it's not good for me. It's just, it's, it reduces um, the text to a flavor. You like ice, you know, this flavor, but I don't like it, so I don't need to, to do it. It's like a preference issue, okay? The second view is the meaning is determined by the reader. The reader, a person who reads the text gives to it its meaning or actualize it, actualizes it, okay? Determined by the reader. This view maintains that the person who reads the text determines its meaning. It's a subjective approach to interpretation. 
Okay. According to this view, if different readers come up with different means, this is simply due to the fact that the text permits the readers to discern multiple meanings. There are some people in the evangelical community, community who believe this. Um, there can be six, seven, eight different meanings to the text. Some of this um, has to do with getting underneath the actual words, you know, what's behind the words, analogies, etc. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but really here, the reader is the one, you or I reading it. It's very similar to the first one in, um, in, as far as interpretation. The reader uh, really determines the meaning for the text. Let me skip over that one um, briefly and go to the third one. This one holds that the view of the meaning is determined by the author. According to this view, the meaning of the text is what the author consciously intended to say by the text. Concerning Romans, this view argues that if Paul were alive, he would be able to tell me, this is what I meant by saying that. Hopefully it would match with what I said. Um, but this is where we get the meaning, the author's intended meaning. This is what I meant by that. This view argues that the Bible is not to be treated like art, possessing a, um, just rules that are appropriate only to art, but on the contrary, it is to be interpreted in the way we interpret other verbal forms of communication. It's a common sense approach to communication. All normal conversation assumes that the goal of interpretation is to understand what the speaker or writer means by the words he or she is using. Here, let me give you an example. You know, if I was communicating uh, uh, with Belinda and she didn't understand what I was saying, she would say, she would say, you know, what are you trying to say? I don't understand what you're saying. And then I would explain to her, then she would say, okay, now I know what the meaning of that is. You understand what I'm saying? It's very natural for us to do. We, we see the author, the speaker, and we try to understand what they say. And if they clarify it for us, then it'll help us to understand it in a greater way. And so the way we do that when we study the Bible, we're searching for the author's intended meaning. And from there, we develop principles and applications. And I'll talk about that later. Therefore, the author is the determiner of the meaning of the text, and the best view is the, the, the final one, and it's the main guiding principle um, to seek the author's intended meaning. So who makes up the rules was the question. Well, I would say um, that uh, the Bible is to be interpreted in the same manner that we communicate. Looking toward the author, the same principles that we use in, in reading any book, newspaper, etc. We know that this is true. We look at any novel and we say this is fiction and we interpret it in that way. We don't apply it to reality. There's, there's sim simple rules that we can follow and there, as we go along, you're going to find that they're very uh, apparent. Oh, you see, that makes sense. And so the principles of interpretation are inherent in our nature. They are within us. We were born with them. Uh, and my contention is God has given them to all of us so that we can communicate and interpret his word. 
And so that is uh, really something that we have to um, start to really uh, develop uh, an understanding on how we can properly use principles that we already know to the Bible and communicate it in that way. There's going to be other nuances that it's not as simple as that, but we're going to go through different um, principles next week. But just want to remind you that the God wrote the Bible to be understood. He's not trying to obscure the meaning. He's not trying to say, he's not trying to make us guess like riddles, trying to figure it out. Oh, that's what it means. Um, but really, the, the Bible is what we call perspicuous. It's clear that the young child can understand it, and the, but the theologian can be lost in its depths. It's just, it's just a great truth in the uniqueness of the scripture. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word once again. We want to be uh, right interpreters of your word, Lord, not only so that we can know some fact or some truth, but so that this truth will transform our lives. You said the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, it, it really goes down to our innermost being, um, really uh, tests us, Lord, and shows us uh, how we ought to live. So we pray that as we go through this next few weeks in studying how we can study the Bible, properly interpret it, pray that you would give us hearts that are humble, hearts that are willing to learn, hearts that want to know you more as we study and learn to study your word. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.